Here we are again. <clears throat> Let me get myself together. Girl, that's going to take a couple of years. <laughs> well, I just turned 40. I don't have many left. Oh, too real. Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Orians. This is Neil Daigle-Orians. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. I've been chastised for not saying this, so yay. <laughs> yay, Bearded Fruit. Yay, Bearded Fruit. This is my contribution to the podcast. I'm going to go to the other room now. Oh, uh, don't do that, because I don't want to talk to myself. Here's where I wish uh, I had some shoes where I could like pretend I'm walking around. <laughs> clop, 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 clop. Yeah, we need a Bearded Fruit Foley artist. Um, so now hiring a bearded fruit Foley artist. Who's out there? Send your resume right. to nobody yeah. cares at right. bearded fruit. With the little with the little like short door that's for opening and closing doors. <laughs> yeah, there's and like for Foley. No, there's Can we get the guy from uh Police Academy? Oh, uh, that would be sort of amazing if he's available and lives. Of course near he's a, where, what have you what have you seen him in lately? Of course he's available. How do you know? <laughs> How do you know if you haven't seen his work or heard his work? Because his songs are really great. I mean, that's fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this week, uh, we are going to be talking a little... We're going to be talking about stereotypes, basically. A couple of stereotypes in the LGBT community. And we're going to bust them. We're busting stereotypes. Stereotypes. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. What, so about, the, what about monotypes? Um... I feel like that's a print thing. It is a print thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. It's just it's just funny. Yeah. It's stereo, mono. Yeah. What about Tin Types? That's a musical. That's a photo thing. And it's a musical. It's more of a photo thing. But it's a musical. It's a musical because it's a photo thing. Yeah, I've seen it, so it's a musical. Wow. Um, Sass. Step, 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 step. <laughs> Little door closed. Little door. Um, so yeah, so th- we're going to start with a, with a study that was done by the University of Miami. Uh, just came out very recently, and it's about the bears. It's about the bears. Woof. Yeah, it's about bears. And so here's what the study of the University of Miami found. The University of Miami found that bears are more likely to suffer low self-esteem than other members of the gay community. Oh, that's sad. That is kind of sad, yeah. Um, uh, so basically what the study found is that uh, it's it's harder for guys who, are, who identify as bears to assimilate into gay culture as a whole than their sort of not bear counterparts. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the report says that, uh, quote, before discovering the bear community, members have described harassment and discrimination from both heterosexuals and homosexuals throughout their lifespan based on weight, which led to lower self-esteem. So mm. uh, I guess kind of the crux of it is that not only are, are gay guys who identify as bears um, experiencing homophobia from straight people heterosexual people but they're also experiencing negative uh negative like they're experiencing discrimination from people within their own community Mm -hmm. which i mean like no surprise that there's discrimination inside the lgbt community if you just sort of like wake up and are in the lgbt community any day you see that that's a thing you know the university of miami also did another study later that week uh that found that water is wet (laughs) yeah there's a lot of wet water this week Mm, up on the beach (laughs) i think so yeah um so i it's like i mean 
we're bears and we're not muscly. What do you think about that? Hey, don't label me. I'm we're we are. I'm bear passing. Bear. Pa- <laughs> <laughs> I'm very. I'm. I'm very passable. Wolf asterisk. Wolf asterisk. <laughs> wow. Um. No. Um. Man, I don't know. I guess. I guess. Um. Part of me wants to see. Part of me wants to see a study similar to this where we take the archetypes of the bears and like dudes who would be bears if they were queer and just like see how they feel. Um, Cause part of me like thinks that maybe this is just a general, I mean, it, it, it's not to say like, it's not to invalidate. Like, of course there's pressures from queer culture at, at large to have a certain body type. But um, part of me wonders like how much of that is more of a universal social uh, standard of beauty for men um, without the without the queer lens, like I wonder how much of that fits fits into this, because mm. um, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, like before before I came out, before um, I really explored that aspect of of male standards of beauty, queer male standards of beauty, like I still felt fat, and I, I was still made fun of for being fat, and I was still called fat. So like. How, how much of it is really just simply the gays call bears fat and it's more so society at large calls bears fat. Granted, male standards of beauty for straight men are different. I mean, they, they are different and men are allowed to have a certain, like in, in ways that women are not allowed, men are allowed um, to be pudgier. Um, like Seth Rogen can be seen as hot by the straight community, um, whereas a, a woman who would be a similar, I don't know, like... Like Melissa McCarthy. Like Melissa McCarthy, yeah, yeah, who's, like, equally funny and equally talented, isn't seen as, like, a sex symbol like right. Seth Rogen can be seen sometimes. Um, like, I've, I've, I've seen just, like, post people, like, Seth Rogen, huh? And it's, like, not just bears, because bears are thirsty for Seth Rogen. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's it's, like, straight people who are, like saying yes he fits into the male standard of beauty so it's like straight men clearly have a wider yeah a, a wider venn diagram in which they can f- fit into well, i think some of the things I, I i completely agree with you i mean i feel like just being a, a a person in the world who is not thin and muscular you 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 receive you receive some degree of discrimination that it's just simply like a like an american body standard thing and i think what what might be the well, I think what compounds it in the the gay community is that um, you're you're moving inside a community that already understands what discrimination feels like or should understand what discrimination feels like. Like you're moving in a community that should be more open based on their experience of discrimination. They should know what it feels like to be discriminated against and should not perpetuate those same practices. But you enter into it, and so not only do you have to like navigate being gay in the world, but then you have to get, navigate being gay and like a big fat tubbo in the gay community. So it's like it's doubly disappointing and depressing. Check the store for the new bearded fruit shirt, big fat tubbo. <laughs> um. See, we get like a big big fat tubbo cheese, big fat tubbo ice cream. I'm a big fat tubbo. Bubbles, <laughs> I that would be because I'm light on the inside. But yeah, so like I mean, I feel like that's that's part of it. And and 
what I think is also kind of at play too is um, inside the gay community, you're fighting what is already a stereotype of gay people that like a gay guy is young, thin, muscular, and goes out you know like like that's that's the, the 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 cultural image of what a gay guy looks like and so if you look like me who's old big fat tubbo a big fat tubbo with you know tattoos and 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 kind of like dumpy and dresses moderately poorly kind of dumpy <laughs> very no like so you're you're all you're you're already upsetting people's expectations and you're, you're like disappointing their expectations. Say that again, but rephrase it as an I statement. I am disappointing people's expectations. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and before the conversation goes further, I just want to throw this out there um, to, to the bears who listen to us, all three of you. Um, if you think that you are oppressed in the gay community because you are masculine or more masculine, honey, no. Don't even worry about that. Like, that is a stupid thing. Like, because that's things I've heard before where people are like, Ugh, I hate it when people think I'm I'm feminine because I'm gay. And I'm like, or, or, or like people like, whatever. Like, it's just, that that's a completely different conversation entirely. But I just feel like when talking about bears and stereotypes, I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with that, where it's like, oh, but we're masculine too. And, and um, just because we're gay doesn't mean we like shopping. And it's like, you're not being oppressed because people think that maybe you shop. Yeah. Well, what's so because you brought this up whenever I mentioned what we were going to talk about. Uh, there was a response to this study um, on uh, gaypopbuzz.com. A very like vague subtweet response to <laughs> yeah. like a very like like shouting in a hallway and maybe the yeah. person you're shouting at will hear you. And so they they per, they published an article called Five Harmful Lies Gay Bears Need to Stop," and it was basically in response to this study that that uh, found that bears are likely to have low self esteem, and also, which I didn't get to mention, the study also found that gay, that bears are likely to practice um, have have riskier sex practices than their their non bear counterparts. So so the bears are like the bears are getting their freak on mm-hmm. basically, which I mean. Cool. Girl, do you? Girl, do you? But um, so the response to to this was uh, was sort of interesting. They had these five harmful lies, and and so here are just a couple of them. One of them: all gay bears are obese. They're like that's a total lie. Gay bears can be muscular and defined. They, um, gay bears aren't athletic, so like no bears can be totally into sports, bruh. Uh, gay bears are typically older. No, they can be young, dude. Um, and what it seemed to me when I read this response was not so much that it was counteracting negative stereotypes, but literally perpetuating the negative stereotypes in the community that to be gay, you have to be not old, not fat, and not a show queen. Like, you know, yeah. right. Like you have to be, it was sort of saying, you know, well, no, you can be that and still be a bear. But that's that's not really allowing for a very open idea of what your body type can be. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like they do make they do make a point that like, like they 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 do phrase it in a way that's not necessarily like, it it it's basically saying like you can have rounded or defined edges, um, and you can still fit within it, within within the culture, um, but I mean, I don't know this this article gave me feelings, cause like, 
I'm I'm more so upset at like how it's written. Like show me the receipts, girl. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're going to say like many gay bears feel this way and you're like doing this vague subtweet thing where you're like trying to be passive aggressive towards this study, which is literally a study. Right, they really It's literally a study. And like here's the thing too is that like I, I haven't really read about the study, but like from what I understand about how these things works, this is a um, this is most likely a qualitative study. So it's based off of like personal interviews and not necessarily just numbers. So like it's actual men being like, "Hey, this is how I feel," and it's like enough of them to be like, "There's a pattern here." Um, so like those are literally people saying like, "Hey, I have low self esteem and I'm a bear," and a whole bunch of other bears are saying similar things. And then this this person writes this blog post and just like many bears, with no links at all, with with no research. I'm just gonna throw this out there and people should believe me. Like, come on, girl. Well, it's very much a, a like hashtag not all bears kind come of situation. On, like, like, look, I get that I just finished grad school, but step your research game up, honey. Like, that's just you can't just do that. You can't just say declarative statements like many bears feel good about their body without like having some sort of backup, especially if you're trying, especially if you're trying to counteract an actual research study. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can't do that. That's not how it works. And I'm not saying you have to go to grad school in order to counteract it, but like, at least have something to reference. At least be like, actually, here's a bunch of like really great media that you can see of men liking their bodies like come on girl yeah. and you know like also just to to make very clear we're certainly not saying that the entire bear community is uh like uh, pos and and everyone's terrible there are many people who have actually entered into the bear community and found a, like found their self-esteem and found value in themselves and in their bodies through through interaction with the bear community. I mean, I would even say to some degree, I am one of those people. Um, hashtag InstaBear, hashtag InstaCub. Like, you know, like Whoa. I have always had like a really negative feeling about my body and I still some days do, but my my interactions with other mem- people in the bear community who say positive things about me and my body have made me like more comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we certainly don't want to say that like all bears suck because they don't, mm-hmm. but, but I feel like this is a very valid thing for us to be aware of in the community. And here's where we link to the conversation about bears we had with Dr. Patrick mm-hmm. Grady. Um, but like he even said in his, like in his research and his, his, like um, his dissertation, his interviews, he was basically like, um, yeah, bears are problematic, but there there's also a lot of really good things. Like there's a lot of really good things and there are a lot of benefits. Um and, and part of that is like the sense of community, the, the the safety in being able to out yourself without outing yourself, things like that. Um so like like yeah, it's not that it's not that the bears are terrible. I mean, like you and I are together because of this scalpel culture, like exactly. if we're being real about it for a minute. Um so like it, it's not to say that it's that it's a hundred percent problematic and a terrible thing, but there there there's something where we're part of a group and we're able to be critical of our own group. Yeah, I think it's important for any group to be consciously aware of the stereotypes it perpetuates, and to be aware of the harm that you may be doing to people who are in your own community. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be aware that there are there is some degree of not uh, being inclusive 
to all body types in our community is something that's positive for us to be aware of. So so if you're out there and you're a bear, be nice to other bears regardless of their bodies. The bears out there. Not regardless. Like, celebrate their bodies. Don't, like, ignore bodies. Celebrate bodies no that, matter what they look like. And that doesn't mean you have to be sexually attracted to them or engage no. in sexual acts. And if you are, you're probably doing something real kinky. What? If, if you're a bear and engaging in sexual activity, according to the study, you're doing something like... Real freaky deaky. Not freaky deaky, just risky. Yeah. Oh no, the list it had it was some freaky deaky stuff. Oh. Like, yeah, they're like getting into uh, asphyxiation. Oh, yikes. I mean, I mean, sure, if you're into that, that's totally cool. But like, and be you careful. Never, you mean you never like had a movie date with someone and then choked a dude? Like, you no, never done that? just be careful if you're doing that. Just we me? don't want you okay. to die. Um, but no, like exhibitionism, like having sex in public and those kind of things are included in like riskier sexual behaviors. Oh, yeah. See, I, I read that as um, just like unprotected sex. No, that's certainly in there. But we're also talking about other other risks, not just like physical risk. You're also putting yourself at, you know, at risk of getting like arrested or things like that. And bears are doing it in the park. Naughty bears. They're doing it. <laughs> They're doing it for themselves and for others. <laughs> They're just givers. They're the, givers. They're givers. Yeah. Although, and, and just as a, a final positive, uh, it was also noted in the study that bears are get more tested than any other gay subculture. Yeah. So bears know their status. So way to go, bears. Take that, twinks. You're do- <laughs> we appreciate twinks as well, even though... <laughs> all twinks matter. All twinks. Well, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Are we editing that out? No, we're not. <laughs> So we're going to move on to another one, another stereotype. There's another study that was, uh, it's going to be published very soon, but on Friday, um, a team of researchers at Stanford released a paper that discussed something a little more serious. It discussed the effects of poverty on boys and girls and uh, on children, basically. And the study found two kind of key things that we're going to connect to and talk about. One, the study found... um, in more water is wet and the sky is blue news unless you're colorblind that um (laughs) true that economic conditions that you live in as a child have a significantly statistically significant effect on your economic circumstances as an adult so basically i'm sorry what basically really yes if you are a rich kid chances are you're going to stay rich. No way. And if you're a poor kid, chances are you're going to have some trouble financially in the world. Like No way. Yeah, you're going to stay poor or not rich. Wow, that's such a surprise. Right? I have never been more surprised in my life. I know. I can hear it in your voice. I'm just, I'm shocked. I don't think I can continue the podcast. Clip, 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 clip. (laughs) Tiny door closed. Um, the other thing it found, which I thought was very interesting, um, was that gender is at play in this as well. The study found that boys who grow up in poverty statistically fare worse in adulthood in terms of employment and earnings than girls who grow up in the same circumstances. So poor girls actually fare better employment-wise and economically than their male counterparts. Yeah, take that wage gap. Yeah. Um, It's it's a really interesting study, and the Washington Post did a very nice breakdown of the findings with charts and things, and we'll link to that on the site. So if you're interested in finding more about this particular research, we're going to, like, head you over there. Did it say anything as to why they thought that there was a gender correlation? 
Um, not in the piece that I read. Yeah, they probably don't really even have any idea yet. Yeah, they're probably just like, what? here's the just yeah, and and also because uh, just to connect, they just sort of released some of their like initial findings. There's a more detailed paper mm. that will be coming. Oh, it has been published. That's right. You said that. Yeah, it's like there's more detailed information coming, but this is just what they're starting with. Mm-hmm. Um, and but what I wanted, the reason why I thought this would be appropriate for our podcast uh, and it's appropriate for our, our conversation about stereotypes is to talk about something that we don't necessarily often discuss as an LGBT issue, and it's the issues of class and wealth, and how those experiences impact the LGBT experience. Um, I think that there is a there is a, a pervasive stereotype in the culture at large that to be LGBT means a few things. It means that you are one really well educated and be wealthy, that you've got dollars, that you live in a nice house and you dress nice and you got you got cool things and you go on vacays and and all that. And I feel like that myth, while there are certainly people who live that, there are a lot of people who who live that experience that's not necessarily indicative of the community as a whole and that myth is sort of harmful mm-hmm. in the community yeah am, am i supposed to respond to that <laughs> yeah that was a, that was your space oh um ooh my space it's 2004 all mm-hmm. over again yeah um money so like I guess I wanted what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the that myth and how that the, that myth negatively impacts the LGBT community because what what I responded to when I read about this study was that from an LGBT perspective um, LGBT people who then grow up poor are experience another another kind of disadvantage in the world like it's not going to be as easy for them to navigate a complicated potentially homophobic or transphobic world and that's why job protections are so important absolutely like you know the the necessity of employment non-discrimination laws uh it that's who they're going to protect Mm -hmm. there are people who are particularly in the south particularly in in lgbt non-friendly parts of the country who are not who can get fired for being gay and they're probably those people are probably living paycheck to paycheck i i did when i was um growing up a poor gay kid in the in the south um and there was no employment protection for me and i didn't have expendable income i was barely making it my my little crappy apartment um and I feel like that, like that's a reality that we don't necessarily address as a community. And look how far we come. Now we're barely making it in our little crappy apartment in Connecticut. Hey, <laughs> this is worth at least two crappy apartments in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and I well, like, and honestly, like the first narrative that runs through my mind is that, like, like when, whenever I talk about queer youth. And this is such a terrible narrative to like immediately jump on, but whenever whenever I think about queer youth, I'm honestly thinking about kids who get kicked out of their homes or kids who don't feel welcome in their homes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how does that like even further like put them like because because rich kids can get kicked out of their homes, yeah, and, like become immediately homeless. But then I also think about like, okay, so like being rich and queer doesn't in, doesn't inherently make you better off either because who gets sent to those reform camps? Rich kids. Rich kids get sent to those reform camps, and like um, rich kids get undergo that kind of therapy. It's not poor kids who are undergoing reformative um, therapy. It's rich kids. Um, 
So I think like it, it's just so interesting to see how those different identities tie into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, yes, there are plenty of rich queer kids who are just like incredibly well off and like doing things and going places and able to do whatever. Um, and then there are poor queer kids who become rich later in life somehow. Um, or their queerness doesn't take a, doesn't um, doesn't affect them as adversely as some rich queer kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's it is fascinating and it's a very important conversation to have. Because um, I was just like I was just thinking about my own experience and looking at some of my colleagues who have also re- recently graduated, and like I know I know people who graduated with an MFA um, within the last three years who have just been doing like residency to residency residency and it's like man it'd be so nice if i just like if that was my if that could be my life if i could apply to all these residencies that weren't paid or like i could easily get to and work there and then come home to a house that's already paid for like it'd be so nice and that's just not my experience and that will never be my experience so here i am instead working at a corporate retail job that I'm not going to say on the air <laughs> um, trying to make ends meet and trying to find a class to teach in the fall and trying to get into shows and do what I can with my career and my education and like the thing is too is that like on the reverse side of that I look at my own upbringing it's like I could go to grad school and I could do all this stuff because I know I come from like an upper middle class family like and and, it, and it's not to say that we didn't struggle growing up because my mom was a single parent, but we had a lot of help from my grandma, and um, and so like I I was able to, and and my mom enabled me to take the risks like going to art school and trying to become an artist, and my mom enabled me to work in a nonprofit while working at the same corporate retail job while living in her basement before I went to grad school, and I could focus on my portfolio, um. And, and she she allowed me to do that. She she gave me that space. I was able to do that because I she didn't need me to help pay the bills. Like she got she had them. Um, she was very much so giving me Virginia Woolf's room of room of one's own. And like I I recognize that. So even though like I don't necessarily have like the I can residency hop life, I still had a very easy access to art school. Yeah. So like I recognize that too. And it's like I know that I. I just had an easier path than you probably did. Yeah, I mean because we we grew up poor. I mean we were we were of not wealthy in the least and we didn't have a lot of money and you know there were there were there were times when dinner was like peanut butter sandwiches. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that was like that was dinner. There was there was a period of time where the fancy dinner was getting spam. Like that was like fancy Fancy dinner time mm-hmm. was spam. Um, oh, spam. Mm. Hashtag my privilege <laughs> means I've never tasted spam. Yeah, like, and so, I, I mean, I know, I feel particularly very proud of the trajectory that I've made because I've, I, you know, my parents worked incredibly hard to make sure that we had opportunities and, and, give, a, and give us as many opportunities as possible. Um, but I certainly... I certainly kind of navigated through young adulthood with not a lot of options. You know, I went to school in the at the university that was connected to my hometown because that I was the first kid in my family to go to college. And and that was just the cheapest and easiest thing to do. The idea of going away to school 
was really like negatively viewed. So that that sense of I didn't really feel like I had a great sense of mobility to leave my small town in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like that doesn't like directly connect to my LGBT experience, but I feel like to some degree it does because that shaped that shaped who I was as a person. And, and I had to live most of my my young adult and my formative time in a place that was not LGBT friendly. And I had to develop all this, like, here's how to be a straight guy kind of code and to, to stay hidden and feel like you got to be in the closet and, mm-hmm. and to still, even today at 40, when I'm in public and you hold my hand, have that moment of wanting to take it away immediately because somebody might see and harm us, even though we're like six foot three and John, like, who's going to, hey, who's going to mess I'm with us? Six foot three. You're six foot two. Six foot three in boots. Um, <laughs> like who's gonna harm us? Like really? But but that that's because of my of where I where I had to live for most of my life, and a mm-hmm. lot of that was just due to the fact that I didn't have the money to just move to New York when I turned eighteen. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's an experience that a lot of LGBT people have, where you know you 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 are living in a place that isn't friendly to you but you don't have the means to leave it Mm -hmm. and you're stuck in that place and having to find some way to carve out some kind of positive lgbt life in a place that isn't friendly to well and even like beyond money like you shouldn't have to leave Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't people shouldn't have to leave their homes just like like that's that's not how it works that's not how it should work um and maybe that's just the egalitarian in me but um like it shouldn't it that shouldn't be the solution the solution shouldn't be give all queers in the south grants to move to ohio or something ohio what no neil not ohio no get out of ohio um but like like to move somewhere more friendly like that's not that's not the the answer like they they shouldn't have to do that and they also shouldn't have to carve their own space unfortunately that's just reality reality is that um oppressed groups have to do that they have to carve spaces yeah. in in into spaces that don't exist for them um but it just it just shouldn't be that way like that that sh- it shouldn't be simply only poor queer people um have to, uh can't leave because that's not that's not the case rich queer people don't leave either like yeah. even people with the means to leave don't leave mm-hmm. their homes even though they're unfriendly and they shouldn't because they're their homes yeah. But you know, like with with being sort of wealthy and queer in an in an unfriendly space, you're protected to some degree by your by your wealth, by your wealth for sure. And you're not, you know, if you're if you're not worried about losing your job if your employer finds out that you're gay, uh, that's a pretty comfortable mm-hmm. place to be. And you know, it, it, it makes me think of people who who live in North Carolina during all this this like, trans stuff. Uh, that's hap- that's been happening in North Carolina and elsewhere. And and here having experienced people say well you know then just leave if it's so terrible why not why are you staying there well some people don't have a choice uh to just like get up and leave the state that they live in um and it also makes me question the some of the tactics used to fight that the laws in north carolina by taking money away from the state and like harming jobs Mm -hmm. and making less job opportunities for people (laughs) like there are probably LGBT people who really need mm-hmm. those jobs. Specifically, there are trans people who need those yeah, jobs. Yeah, they need those jobs. And, and like, just in speaking of trans trans people, I think, you know, I, I don't necessarily that we always, like, consider the, the, the financial burden of transition for trans people. Mm-hmm. Like, not all trans people can easily just 
come out and they can't do what Caitlyn Jenner did, which is like go away for a certain number of months and come back completely transformed in the way that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a reality for, mm-hmm. for, for trans people who are experiencing poverty or who are, are just not wealthy. And it shouldn't be a standard either. Like that shouldn't Correct. be an expectation of trans people. You shouldn't have to transition and become a hundred percent passable. You shouldn't have to do that just to be your authentic self. Like you, you shouldn't have to. Um, and that, and that's not to, that's not to like say that um gender dysphoria and body dysphoria like aren't valid but i'm just saying like that shouldn't it it, like laura jane grace said that in her show she said something about like um i wondered if i had if i'd ever um really pass and i'm starting to not care and i just thought that was like that was so important that was so important for people to hear like like you shouldn't care. You shouldn't have to care. And it's a very unfortunate reality that we live in that people care about that. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't have, like, you, sh- you should just uh, be happy. Well, it's a very interesting study. And um, I think it's, it's something that we talk about a lot on the, on the podcast is the idea that uh, the, we are beginning to have a conversation in the LGBT community that isn't just about LGBTness. That it's all that it's becoming more intersectional. We're starting to mm-hmm. understand that our experience of queerness isn't the thing that defines our lives, but our experience of queerness at the intersection of our experience of class, at the intersection of our experience of gender, at the intersection of our experience of race, that creates wildly different experiences, and that we are we should become more sensitive to all of those variations mm-hmm. because those things are all very important. Yeah, intersectionalists dialogue is just becoming it's becoming a thing like it's becoming more of a mainstream thing people are not just considering what it means to be black but what it means to be a black man what it means to be a black woman what it means to be black and queer what it means to be black and trans what it means to be white and queer what it means to be white and a man um and that's just i mean it's great it's honestly it's it's great it's great that those conversations are finally happening um because like it, it it's something that i've been a part of for years in my volunteer work um, and it's just, it's just great to finally see, feel, it, it's great to feel like those years of, of me volunteering in my organization and other vol- organizations across the country, it seems like we're finally seeing the effects of that. The effects of like 10 years, over 10 years of doing that, um, is finally starting to blossom. It's really great to see that. And I think it's absolutely important because now becoming aware of how much discrimination people inside the LGBT community experience based on those other intersectional identities. Uh, it, it's incredibly important that if, if we really do want to create a positive LGBT experience for every person in our community, every one of us has to be aware of how to respect and navigate those experiences that aren't ours. Yeah. And that's why like in my own work, I'm trying to be more overt about discussing matters of race and how they fit into my work because I'm not talking about queerness. I'm talking about a very racialized queerness. I'm talking about white queerness. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that I include that word and yet it's so hard to talk about. It's so hard to talk about because whiteness is such a default that by saying it, it it's kind of like water is wet. Well, of course queerness is white. Like, like it's, it's kind of like saying that and, and, and it's hard. It, it's hard to be like, no, there's something more nuanced about what I'm saying and what I'm talking about. And that while it may appear to a mainstream audience that I'm talking about queerness as a whole, I'm not. I'm talking about white queerness. And that is something that you see as queerness as a whole. And that's a falsehood. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it, it's, it's something that's on my mind a lot, too. 
Well, and it, it certainly, I feel like it's something on the, it's a motivating um, energy to the podcast and, and the reason, it's certainly one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing it, mm-hmm. starting to do this podcast, and it's something that we talk about often, and I feel like it's a, it's, while we do crack a lot of jokes, uh, and we do sometimes talk about silly things, I feel like at the heart of what we're doing every week is trying to grapple with these very difficult questions and this kind of evolving idea about what it means to be LGBT and um, it like I'm glad that we're doing it so we're gonna buy a new microphone (laughs) and then we're going to get more guests on yeah and yeah yeah because we're we're getting close to our 20th episode oh my god yeah this is episode 118 oh my god so we're getting close to our 20th episode and yeah we're gonna branch out as as we get better at this we're gonna branch out into more guests and so uh um, when does season two start i don't know i'll figure it out oh, okay um but as always as always we, like, we really appreciate everybody who supports our podcast um tweets at us yeah so if you like what you hear Please head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us some stars or you can leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. And actually, I turned 40 on Friday, so it would be a wonderful little belated birthday gift if you went and did that after you listen to this. This is his first podcast as a 40-year-old man. Yes. So go do it. Go leave leave us. Leave us 40 stars. Please, that would be amazing. If this week we can get forty stars on iTunes, so if anybody can just give us forty one star reviews, <laughs> no, give us forty. <laughs> no, like go. If you can get us up to like forty forty starred reviews, that would be awesome. That'd be the best birthday present ever. You can also find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit, and you can find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. As always, we really appreciate you listening and uh, share the podcast with people that you think would like us and uh, we'll see you next week well we won't see you because this is an audio format show it was a metaphor they won't see us it was either. it it was a metaphor it was like a meta two maybe a meta three <sighs> see you next week